This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Would you take your Bibles tonight and join me? 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's interesting to look around and see how the symbol of the cross has permeated our society. You'll see it on memorials at accident sites along highways, as graffiti, as jewelry, in tattoos, on some flags. When we were in Greece, one of our tour guides reminded us that there is a cross on the Greek flag. Many use a symbol not even understanding what it represents. We just were traveling in areas where the churches, during the time of the apostles, uh, the churches that existed when the disciples of the apostles were pastoring in some of those places, no one was wearing crosses as jewelry. Uh, it was something feared. Uh, it was something that you didn't want to experience physically, though for Christians the cross represented deliverance spiritually. Yet many do understand, and the cross continues to be demonstrated, but also opposed throughout our land. President Obama insisted that the chapel at Georgetown cover a cross that would have been visible when he spoke there. During the peaceful rioting in Eugene, Oregon, when Antifa was assaulting law enforcement and burning buildings, one of their planned targets, and this didn't end up in the news, was they planned to take down, attack and take down a 50-foot cross that originally stood in the city to honor war veterans. When the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled the cross a violation of the First Amendment, that cross was then moved on to the campus of New Hope Christian College. And word had gotten out that during the demonstrations and the rioting, they were headed towards that Christian campus to attack the cross. A prayer vigil around that cross is the only thing that kept the cross from being destroyed during the rioting. And yet the cross and its meaning have continued to offer comfort when humanity has faced the worst realities of our depravity. When the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center fell on 9-11, the statistics of what was left tell the real story. Do you realize that it took 10 months and 1.7 million hours at what was later dubbed the pile, all that debris that came down. It took them that long to sift through that pile 
A pile that consisted of 1.8 million tons of material to find human remains. They took that pile apart by the spoonful. Literally sifting inch by inch, workers recovered 4,257 human remains, 4,000 personal photographs, 54,000 personal items, and they located 1,358 vehicles, including 102 fire trucks and 61 police cars. But one afternoon, as the workers were, were going through that site and what remained, Ann Bybee, whose job it was from the city of New York to provide logistical support to medical and rescue workers at the pile, looked up into the rubble and saw twisted and leaning to one side two pieces of I-beam that formed a cross. In fact... When she saw it, she grabbed a disposable camera and took the photo, which today is known as the cross at the pile. I would encourage you to get online and look at that. The way that twisted metal, the way it worked, it looks just like a cross. There's a piece of metal at the top that actually looks like that sign that hung above the head of our Lord. And debris is hanging off of it that looks like the cloth of what some artists predict they used to help take Jesus off the cross. When she saw it, at a time when she needed hope, when those workers were exhausted, when she saw that, feeling desperate, she looked into that devastation and saw God's sign of hope for all humanity. The Ground Zero Cross reminds us of Calvary's cross where God the Father showed the world that he loves us, that he feels the hurt of the suffering sin causes, and that he did not leave us to suffer ourselves. Jesus chose to leave heaven and take our suffering for sin on himself that we might have his righteousness and thus know the peace of God. Those of us who know what the cross really stands for see it and hear the calming whisper of the Almighty as he speaks, I have paid sin's debt for all men, including you. I am here. Fear not. So in this message, I would like to consider, and you listening in, consider with me tonight, the power of the cross. Again, Pastor Ned and I did not sit down and strategically plan what the message and what the music would do. The Holy Spirit's already done that. So many reminders tonight about the shadow of the cross, the strength that the cross provides, all because of the power of the one who suffered and died 
and bled for us on that cross. Now, I've already hinted at the first truth about the power of the cross, and that is its power to deliver. You're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Would you look at verse 18? Paul writes this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. As pastoral staff, we meet before services and we have prayer. And it was interesting tonight as we were praying, Pastor Brown quoted that verse. He had no idea what I was going to be preaching on. Again, confirmation from the Lord. How important the cross is. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. Now let's consider the second phrase in this text. Let's look at it first. It references those which are saved. And in the Greek language, that's a present passive participle meaning that our salvation is timeless. Let me explain. Robertson in his word pictures points out that, quote, salvation as described by Paul was a thing done in the past. In other words, we were saved. We're saved when we believed on the Lord. That's, of course, what Paul references in Romans 8.24. And then that impacts our present state. You have been saved. I was saved in the past, but right now I am still saved. I've been saved, Ephesians 2.5. And then it continues as a process. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 2, you are being saved. Realize that the work of the cross continues to work in our lives. Yes, I'm saved, but at no point can I lose my salvation because I am continuing to be saved. It's work that is everlasting, and I'm experiencing that everlasting work every moment of my existence once I believe on Christ. And then, of course, there's a future result. Thou shalt be saved, Romans 10, 9. So I have my salvation, but there is coming a glorious day because of the cross that I will be saved eternally. So my salvation is guaranteed. It is always something that continues to influence my life. And one day my faith will be sight when I stand in the presence of Jesus. So Jesus' work on the cross and mighty declaration, it is finished, is the power of God. That's in the text. It's the power of God. The word power is dunamis. It's the word that we, where we get our English word dynamite. It's the dynamite of God that rescues souls from deadly sin to God's holiness and eternal life. So again, unto us which are saved, the preaching of the cross is the power of God. And this is what we offer fallen humanity when we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now imagine having to pay for your own sin. And in doing so, having nails put through your hands and your feet on a cross 
where you will hang until you die. That was the very experience of the thief that hung to the left of our Savior. Jesus is looking out and to his immediate left, there is a man who has experienced crucifixion just like he has. And of course, there was one on the right side too. But he is hanging there condemned. He is paying for his sin. But then that man turned away to look at another cross, the cross in the middle, Jesus' cross, and said, Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And what happened? He experienced the power of God unto salvation. This day you will be with me in paradise, Jesus said, and that man's salvation was complete. We thank God daily and come to his table because the preaching of the cross is the power of God resulting in our salvation. Do you remember when you heard and you believed? That proclamation may not have been a preaching service like this. It may have been someone lovingly just sitting and having a conversation with you about your need for Christ. My dad, who's in heaven, led me to the Lord. I remember clear as as anything where I was in that presentation of the gospel. And of course, I heard it over and over again uh, after that. But hearing the preaching of the cross, the proclamation, putting my faith in Jesus Christ brought salvation. This evening, if you haven't been saved, hear the words of Ira Spanfield. We sing this hymn, There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. One more. There's room at the cross for you. It's power to deliver. In a couple of weeks, we're going to take a Sunday night, give those who have who traveled with us to Greece and Turkey, give them an opportunity to share testimonies. We'll show you pictures. But what was so amazing about traveling to the cities uh, where the seven churches of Revelation were, uh, the, the churches where were Paul ministered in Greece, Athens, Corinth, Berea, Thessalonica. What was amazing is to see these massive cities, the beauty of those cities, but the paganism in those cities, and to realize in those places they were stirred up because of the power of the cross. They were moved, and, and the, Paul and his mission, missionary team would go into these places, start proclaiming the gospel, and the cities are in an uproar, and they're declaring, these men who have turned the world upside down with their teaching, they've come here also. What were they teaching? The power of the cross. It was making a difference. It's powerful to deliver. God can deliver you if you've not been saved, but you have to come to the cross. Now, not only does Jesus' cross have power to deliver, it also has power to divide. Power to divide. 
Notice now the first clause in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Now, For many who are already perishing. By the way, it's the same idea. We are saved and it is, it is a complete process for those who are in the process of perishing. That's the idea. Reminds us of what Jesus said in John's Gospel. He that believeth is not condemned. But he that believeth not is what? Condemned already. I think of it this way. Already on death row. Sentenced to die. Only an accident or a heartbeat away from eternal damnation. For them who are perishing, Preaching of the cross is foolishness. Now, it's foolishness because they prefer to adhere, look back at verse 17, they prefer to adhere to the words of man's wisdom. The cross, even as a symbol today, demands that man, that women, make a decision. That's why there's often a reaction to it. Whether it's in the public square, whether it's in somebody's front lawn, it demands a decision. Either it is foolishness and Jesus didn't need to die on it, or it was absolutely essential that the Lamb of God hang on it to bear away the sins of the world. One or the other. We know that it was absolutely necessary that Jesus go to that cross. But here's the point. You have to choose. He chose to provide salvation there. But you have to choose what you are going to do with that cross. And then we must choose to continue as believers to stand for the absolute need for the cross as we stand for the faith once delivered unto the saints. So we come to the cross for salvation, but now we continue to stand for the cross that others might be saved as well. Do you understand that? If you and I don't stand for the cross, who will? Who will? In 2014, former Navy chaplain Jim Jenkins wrote a book. It was entitled, Fatal Drift, Is the Church Losing Its Anchor? He entitled one of the chapters, The Offense of the Cross. In the chapter, he quoted Erwin Lutzer, who was previously pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago. He quoted Lutzer, who reminded everyone that the Nazis used the symbol of the cross to promote their diabolical agenda. Have you ever thought about that? If you study World War II, you, you see uh, the Third Reich and their, the things that they used as symbols. They used the cross. Now that's not surprising because Satan wants to drag through the mud anything that points to Jesus. I think it's amusing that Hitler touted a thousand-year reign. Guess what? It didn't last 
There's only one who will have a thousand year reign and that's guaranteed and that's the one who hung on the cross, provided salvation, went to his grave and three days later he walked out of it. Jesus. But Hitler used it, some of his symbolism. Lutzer then noted what happened in the church in pre-war Germany, pre-World War II. This reminds us why we need to stand for the cross. Lutzer said this, quote, The church stood poised between two crosses, wanting to be loyal to both, leaning or learning that neither could tolerate the other. So the cross of Christ and Hitler's cross. The church made peace with an enemy with which it should have been at war. Called to warn and protect, the church tolerated, then saluted, then submitted. Now, just like the Germans, we have a decision to make. We must stand for the true cross of Christ that saves, but also divides and separates. Or we will capitulate to the cross of secularism and a false gospel. Just remember, nothing can strip the cross of its power. And eternity will reveal that the way of the cross was the only way home. But the reality is the world's not going to know it unless you and I, who have come to the cross for salvation, continue to stand for the cross that others might be saved as well. When it comes to full-blown persecution, and if the Lord tarries and things continue on the path that they are, you're going to have to stand for that cross. Remember as a child listening to stories that were being told back then about the Chinese communists taking over uh, mainland China. And in some of those places, they would go into a church. Most churches have crosses. They would tear the cross off the wall. They would lay it down on the ground right in front of the door. And they would say to the believers that they had caught assembling there, you are free to go if you walk across this cross and out the door. Many, many believers were martyred because... They weren't going to step on that cross. And so machine guns were lowered and believers were mowed down before the cross. If you were put in a similar situation, what would you do? What would you do? Because that cross represents Jesus Christ who hung there, gave his life for us. We have to continue to stand for the cross. So unto those who are saved, the cross is the power of God unto salvation. So here's the question. Beneath the cross of Jesus, have you taken your stand? Can you say tonight, there's a time in my life when I understood how lost and sinful I am, and I came to Jesus' cross, like, like Pilgrim in, in Pilgrim's Progress. I came to the cross, looked, gazed on that scene anew, 
and put my faith in the Lord Jesus and he delivered me from my sin. Has that happened in your life? If so, then you're a believer. But if you haven't, will you? I cannot think about this without thinking about the decision that those made that day literally at the foot of Jesus' cross. There, were, there was a remnant there who had put their faith in Jesus. They didn't completely understand all that he was doing, but they were not leaving the cross. They were going to stay loyal even though he was dying. And then at the foot of the cross... There were those who had given in to human wisdom, Pharisees, scoffers, who rejected the cross and what Jesus was providing there. Where would you be at the foot of the cross? And I want to challenge you, come to Jesus, accept his salvation, be saved. But if you've decided, I am undecided, then here's the reality. It doesn't change the power of the cross. And someday, if you don't believe on him now, you will believe, but it'll be too late. The world is divided today about the cross because every person must choose. Cross is powerful. It's powerful to deliver, but its power also causes division. Will you let the cross of Christ deliver you? And then, Christian, continue to flee to that cross. Your sin debt has been paid. Jesus says, if we'll come to Him, along with what he's given us in salvation. If, if God was willing to give us his son, come to the cross because along with him he'll freely give us all things. Beneath the cross of Jesus, we need to take our stand. A shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land. A hope within the wilderness. A rest along the way. Go to the cross. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you that tonight we can come to your table. And Lord, at your table give thanks for your body that was torn for us, your blood that was shed for us. Thank you for giving your life that we might be delivered and have eternal life. Father, would you Help each of us now to truly be thankful for your cross. To determine to stand for the cross that those who don't know you might turn to you. Lord, give us boldness in this day. But Lord, that will only come as we love you and what you did for us. Now Lord, as we conclude the service tonight and then move into uh, the portion where we celebrate your table. Would you do a work in hearts here? Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org 
or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.